Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. In this episode, we have Malika Chopra, mom, media entrepreneur, public speaker, and published author. In this episode, we chat about Marianne Williamson for president, meeting and sitting with Eckhart Tolle, growing up as the daughter of Deepak Chopra, and how to share meditation with children. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Women Podcast, featuring leading voices in 2019, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine authenticity and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Doppel, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology, while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I'm super pumped about today's guest. We have Malika Chopra. Malika is a mom, media entrepreneur, public speaker, and published author. She just came out with Just Breathe, Meditation, Mindfulness, Movement, and More for Young Adults, ages 8 to 12 years old. She is also the author of Living with Intent. Definitely check these books out. Malika has taught meditation to thousands of people and enjoys speaking to audiences around the world about intention, balance, and living a life of purpose. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm glad to join you. It's nice to do this with you. I know. It's so fun. It's so nice to reconnect. Malika and I went to graduate school together. We went to Columbia together. Yeah, I know. It's amazing how time has flown by, but that was a special experience and good connections all around. Yeah, that really was a special experience. So what is going on? What are you working on right now? How how are the books doing in this amazing world? You know, I'm doing well. I feel lucky I get to do what I love. Um, most importantly, I'm a mom. So I have two girls. They're 17 and almost 15 now. We live in Santa Monica, and I've spent the last few years teaching a lot of meditation, doing a lot of workshops, especially with women on balance and purpose, and then um, have now delivered my fifth book. So uh, I just had these books come out, Just Breathe, um, which is focused on 8 to 12-year-olds, and the follow-up to that called Just Feel will come out. Uh, later this year. And then my um, book before that, Living with Intent, the subtitle is My Somewhat Messy Journey to Purpose, Peace, and Joy. Uh, and so that also, um, you know, was able to reach a lot of women and continues to do so and gives me many speaking opportunities. So I'm busy between my family life and um, being able to serve in whatever way I can. I feel very fulfilled. I always love to ask authors, what are their writing rituals? How do you get in that headspace to just produce? So I'm uh, I'm a complete procrastinator and I have no discipline whatsoever. So, you know, my day is usually running around from um, the grocery store to dry cleaning to picking up my kids. Um, Now that my elder daughter drives, it's shifted our whole family life. So I actually have more time. So I play the piano and I meet my friends um, and then I think nonstop about my books. Um, And normally I may have a year to write something and I do it in the last three to four weeks. So I am very much a procrastinator and probably not the role model um, that most people think in terms of a disciplined author. 
So you're a binge writer. You wait till the end and just sit and do it all. Yeah, but I think what I do is I spend a lot of time genuinely thinking about things. Um, so normally I I would say I probably think three months and then I write for a month. Um, so I'm absolutely a binge uh, writer. But what I like to do is I go for a lot of quiet walks. Um, and that's really my time to think. And then I'll come and I'll kind of have a flurry of activity and brainstorm and then put it away. That's a really nice process. I'm in the thick of it right now. I'm actually, I'm looking for agents. So it's mm-hmm. been, I mean, it's just such a, you have this book within you and you just got to sit down and write. But I love what you said. Sometimes it's just a silent walk to process everything. Yeah, no, for me, a big part of it is the incubation stage, which is that stage where you really just actually are quiet, you're listening, you're connecting. um, And often you have no idea what's going to come out of it. But just taking that quiet time for me is more my discipline than sitting at the computer and trying to force out words. Absolutely. And how is that shift between writing maybe towards more of your current demographic and then now shifting to writing children's books? So I, you know, I've been speaking to women for years um, and audiences, corporate audiences. I've, I've spoken to a lot of people. I always wanted to write a book for kids because I learned how to meditate when I was nine. Um, and, you know, many people know my father, Deepak Chopra. I grew up in this world where I was exposed to a lot of techniques um, as a kid. And I know the benefits that I received from them. So I always wanted to do it, but I never knew how does one go about writing a kid's book um, because a kid's book is a lot about the illustrations. So I was honestly really lucky. Some publisher came to me and said, we want to do this. It was actually a publisher who had published my first book um, or an editor, a hundred promises to my baby. Um, And she was at Rodale at the time. And then she shifted and apparently she kept thinking, you know, Malika would be the perfect person to write this book. So it's important. The relationships you establish um, early on um, in your career can come back. Um, You know, I met, she reached out to me 12 years later and um, asked me, would you do this? And it was something I always wanted to do. I had had the intention for it. And um, honestly, I feel like my part of the book was super easy, but the illustrator brought it to life. Um, And so I'm just really grateful. It turned out to be something beautiful and more importantly, something that seems to be resonating with kids. Um, You know, I get to go to a lot of schools and talk to kids. In fact, yesterday I spoke at um, my nephew's school and um, to third to sixth graders. And um, my nephew participated in the whole presentation with me and he was amazing and so articulate and I was so proud of him. And so the book has given opportunities to do things like that, which is really fun. And it's also so important to have these quiet times in the school space. And I know, I know you mentioned this in one of your interviews, but it's so important that parents have their own practice to really encourage their children to sit as well. Yeah. So usually when I do um, any sort of talk, I get a few questions right in the beginning. And one of them is, you know, as their parents have the best of intentions and they're always saying, well, how can I teach my kids about meditation? And my first question back to them is, well, do you meditate? What is your practice? Um, And I know from my own childhood that my parents 
never forced my brother or I to meditate ever. Um, rather, they meditated. My mom had a really regular practice when we came home from school and she'd be meditating. And so we'd kind of just sit with her and join her. Um, had they tried to force us, I don't think we would have done it. So for me, it's all about um, leading by example, not words. And um, as parents, finding our own practice and then sharing with our kids. And if you are a parent who's listening to this podcast, what are some tools they can use right now to encourage themselves to practice to better show up for their children? Well, first, I think about your own stress levels um, and how you sleep and how you use your words and your own practice. Um, and so it just goes from like the everyday, you know, when I do meet kids um, in these groups and ask them what is stress, uh, they all just talk about their parents. Like, you know, my mom, she snaps at us or she's, you know, tired all the time or my dad threw his computer across the room. Like that was one that was recent. Um, so your kids are always watching you. So think about your own practice and also how you behave um, with your kids. Um, and then I think it's finding simple practices, uh, mindfulness, meditation practices, spending time in nature, moving, sleeping well, um, having a good diet. It because again, that's both for self-care, but also um, as a parent, we can serve better that way. My book, Just Breathe, is actually full of exercises for children, um, but I'm hearing from so many adults, um, parents and otherwise, that actually um, it's the best book on meditation because it has nothing philosophical in it. It's literally bullet points of how you do these practices, um, breathing practices, mindful walking, mindful eating. So I would recommend um, you know, just finding something. It could be setting an intention every morning with your children um, before the day begins or ending the day with a gratitude practice. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be super simple. Absolutely. And it is these simple steps that are so incredibly healing. Of all the intentions that are out there, I love how you shared this, this idea of stop. Can you walk mm -hmm. us through that exercise? Yeah, so um, it's uh, it's an acronym. So I often use acronyms around, uh, in my book I did in, uh, intent under I-N-T-E-N-T, -E but STOP is a great one. Um, S it's, represents stop. T, take three breaths. O, observe what's happening in your body. And P is for proceed. Um, and so it's an easy one to remember. So stop, take three breaths, observe what's happening in your body and proceed. And really what that does is it shifts um, our mind and our body from the fight or flight reaction, which we often face in any stressful situation, to a really more responsive um, reaction. And, you know, the combination of the breath and really observing in your body where you are feeling that is a wonderful way for release. So it's an easy one. And it's a really grounding and helpful practice. And I think we always need to remember to stop and really connect to our presence. It's a really, that's a brilliant idea. What is it like and you mentioned how your parents really never forced you to meditate or to practice mindfulness. How did you finally come to terms that you needed your own practice or you needed to shift your diet or you needed to connect to maybe this yoga lineage? 
So I've gone through so many phases in this journey um, of my life. So, you know, I learned when I was nine years old, um, a mantra-based meditation. Um, I would say through my teenage years, I really didn't practice it that much, but we were around really interesting people. So the kind of life was interesting. Um, when I went to college, though, um, I really appreciated the meditation practice and how that brought me kind of anchoring um, in kind of the dorm and, you know, crazy life that I was able to really anchor myself um, through these practices. Um, and then I would say, I, honestly, in my 20s, I, um, you know, I just got busy. Like I got busy with work. I got busy going back to grad school, um, you know, starting a career, getting married. And so I really would say I did not meditate um, or have any sort of yoga practice. I think I did a blog long time ago about like, how I can't even do downward dog. People have all these assumptions um, about me. Um, and really, I never cared for yoga at all. Um, and so my um, practice uh, really shifted with um, really the shift that was happening in my life when I became a mom. So I was um, got pregnant um, around 30. I had had different businesses, finished grad school. And um, I was so excited um, to finally become a mom. And I often share a story in some of my talks about um, waking up one morning and getting a phone call from my father who was sobbing on the other end of the line. Um, and it was the morning of 9-11. Um, I was five months pregnant and um, we thought my brother was on one of the planes and it was such a traumatic morning in general. Um, and I was five months pregnant and that was a real shift for me. Um, I ended up just out of stress until we found my brother um, in the hospital, having my baby monitored. And I remember that was a time in my life where I kind of really had to think about who am I? What do I want? How can I serve? Um, questions that my dad had taught my brother and I to ask our whole childhood, but really had never been relevant or resonant with me before but in becoming a mother um, suddenly they had this urgency because kind of all the excitement and love and magic of becoming a mom became fear um, and guilt um, and anxiety about what kind of child am I bringing into this world um, so that was really more of a soul shift um, in becoming a mom and really thinking about intention and purpose that's when I wrote that first book called 100 Promises to My Baby. Um, and so really thinking about my intentions as a mom to serve myself and serve my family. Um, with that followed re rediscovering meditation. Um, and so I would say that was like my 30s, um, but then in my 40s, and now I'm approaching 50, but in my 40s, um, I life got busy again. Um, and, uh, you know, from running around with my kids and my work and my books and all my commitments. Um, and I lost my meditation practice again. Um, and it was one day when I was teaching meditation to a group of people um, and talking about balance and feeling um, rested. And I realized I'm exhausted. I'm like, my diet is terrible. I'm not moving. Um, I'm so busy. I don't know what I'm accomplishing every day. And 
that became another turning point to really look at my life again and find those practices again. So I think I can talk now with like perspective because I've had several decades of different experiences um, and that, you know, it's a messy journey. That's why the subtitle of my book is my somewhat messy journey um, because we don't always have it together. There's always, um, we may feel like we're aligned and then something happens and takes us off track. Absolutely. And I think people ask us how we even got into this work and it's because things went wrong. Like we needed the meditation. We needed the good diet. Like we needed to shift. I, all the time I think about that, especially those mornings when, uh, like you wake up and you don't necessarily want to show up for the day, but you have six clients that you're offering spiritual based counseling or you're giving a talk or you're leading a retreat and just stepping into that role. It reminds you why you started in the first place. Yeah, no, it does. And it, that's the thing. I think I even um, get in the routine of doing the same thing over and over again, um, you know, and I was doing that even with my talks and my meditation practice. And there was one particular day I was on stage and I was like thinking about a million other things while I was telling the audience to be present. Um, and I realized, my God, I'm being such a hypocrite. Like, And so that really was a moment, again, one of the many moments in my life where I was like, you know what, I need to reconnect um again now and i also think as it as it relates to you as it relates to me as it relates to this conversation how a lot of this healing really does occur in the feminine or it is compassion for self or it is slowing down and i wonder and i've questioned this so much especially when i was spending so much time in asia when i was living in india these different lineages that maybe are more masculine or maybe are more feminine and i wonder if especially with yoga or especially with meditation, if you think there are specific differences between masculine and feminine practices? You know, I haven't really thought about it that way. Um, I think for me that it's just a very personal experience and finding what works for you um, and at different stages in your life, different things work differently. Um, and so for me, I've always had the anchor of my quiet mantra-based meditation practice. Um, and recently, but like literally in the last year, um, my husband and I both have got more into yoga. Um, and that's been um, really in transformational actually in some ways but it's really only in the last year and that really came from just feeling tired it's like we need to stretch our body it had nothing to do with the spiritual um and so i think um for me i haven't really kind of delineated these as masculine or feminine it's really more about um personal anchoring and this is what i need for my body and this is how i'm going to show up beautiful how did you meet your husband Oh my God. I met my husband a long, long, long time ago. Um, I think we've been married 22 years. Wow. Um, so I uh, often, again, share in some of my stories that, you know, people have this perception of me and my career, but um, my first job actually was um, with MTV. Um, and I was the first person uh, to launch MTV in India. And I met my husband at the first ever rave in New Delhi um, in India uh, when I was very young. And we decided to get married um, after four months um, of knowing each other. And of course, I lived in the US and he lived in India and it really made no sense. Um, but we just decided to get married. Um, and so, you know, that was when I was 25 and I'm um, approaching 48 now. So it was a long, long time ago. Uh, but I think for us, it was one of those things that just we intuitively felt like this was the right 
thing. And um, this was pre us going back to business school, pre like many, many companies ago, pre our children. Um, it just felt like the right thing to do. So we both just went with our intuition and our gut. And so far, thank God it's worked out. That is absolutely incredible. I, I had no idea what a different life. Yes, it was. Um, you know, it was a great life. Um, I got to do every aspect of the business. I partied all over the world. Um, but then what happened is I had one of, again, those experiences where um, I was kind of in my fancy job um, and ended up driving through a slum one day and seeing children um, the poorest of the poor, um, kind of blocking the road. And as I approached the area that they were standing, I saw that there was a television hanging by wires with MTV kind of flashing in and out. It was American kids grinding to hip hop music on the beaches of Santa Monica. Um, and I remember my heart just stopping um, and thinking, my God, what am I doing? You know, that was really a pivotal, again, moment early on in my career where I had to think about my intentions, my values. Um, I had the best job in the world. I got the best um, experience. I had great mentors, but I realized I wasn't living um, a life aligned with what I wanted to do, even though it was a very sexy, fun thing to do. Um, and so I just started to make a shift um, at that time. But I always am so grateful for that experience because it provided an anchor for the rest of my career. Yeah. And you're so right. You walk through those slums and there is that little TV and it's, um, I remember I was walking through one day before class and friends was on TV, like the show. And I, yeah. I mean, it's just such opposite trajectories or it's just not where you're expecting. Yeah. yeah and it's very shocking. Yeah. 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 But it is the world now. You know, I think those were the early days when um, we were connected. Now everyone's connected all the time, you know, even in those um, areas, um, there's access to great information as well. So I just decided for myself, I wanted to make a shift. Um, and, you know, like my uh, career and trajectory has been so windy and messy and, um, you know, per chance, I would say half the time. Um, but it's worked out because, I, you know, I've really tried to just trust my intuition, trust that I'm on the right path. So right now, what does that look like? What are some of the rituals that you're moving into during the day? You know, I am really disciplining myself to not do many things um, because I realize it's so easy to just say yes and get really busy, um, even, you know, particularly speaking and being on the road. And my kids right now are 17 and 15. And in some ways, I think, um, you know, I really need to be around right now. Um, they both are going through their own stuff, all good, but like it's a major transitional time for our family. And so I just decided that this year I was really not going to commit to um, traveling that much. So I'm really trying to be at home um, and focusing on my home, um, just like as, as a physical space and as an emotional um you know, and safe and loving home. Uh, and so it's been really nice because, uh, you know, for the last few years I have been running around. Um, that being said, I'm going to Detroit on Thursday and I'm traveling next week. So it's like finding that balance. But 
Um, I really am trying to focus on my family right now because, you know, my elder daughter is off to college um, soon. And so that's going to be a big shift. And then my younger one um, is kind of in this whole high school time. So we're very focused on our family. What I love so much about you and even the energy that you exude is your career is amazing, yet where you find your most joy and your purpose is really as a mother with your children. Yeah, no, I, and you know, I think that um, I talk a lot about this in Living with Intent, um, my other book, which is, you know, you need to trust your intuition. I did a TEDx talk um, where I talk about this as I went and met Eckhart Tolle, and, you know, we talked about purpose. And I remember at some point just saying, you know, I just feel like a soccer mom, like I don't do anything. Um, and he uh, really walked me through, you know, honoring the intentions and the love and the purpose and the presence of what I'm doing right now. Um, and I think that really um, helped shift um, this kind of, I think a lot of women often are dealing um, with guilt or like, should I be doing this or struggling with decisions? Um, and for me, it's like, as long as I anchor um, all of my experience and what I really love, which for me is my family and the relationships of friends and family um, in my sphere, then everything else is great. Like it's nice, you know, I get to do fun things. Um, you know, I've worked for many years to kind of build up being in a place where I can do this. But, um, you know, that kind of is just nice stuff um, as long as my family um, and relationships are anchored. And this relationship with your father, do you feel like that really played a large role in your career right now? Yeah, I mean, listen, I there's no question um, growing up in my family gave me um, tremendous privilege and opportunity. And so I'll never pretend that that isn't true. Um, I think, though, we were taught at a young age, and what I'm trying to do with my children is to constantly ask, how can I serve? Um, and so, you know, with that opportunity and privilege comes, um, you know, the, the desire to serve, to reach out. Um, and, you know, if I can help other people plant these seeds of intention, give kids tools for the rest of their life, like I had uh, growing up, that's wonderful. Um, you know, with my dad, it's interesting because... Um, my brother has his own journey with my dad, but with me, it's interesting because I'm a mom and I'm a woman. And so, you know, what I share and do is so different um, from my dad. Like I remember when I wrote Living with Intent and I shared the book with my dad, he was like, just like, I don't get it. Like, why are you struggling with balance? Like, like what's the issue? <laughs> And I remember Marianne Williamson said to me, she's like, yeah, your dad can say that because your mom was taking care of you guys. And, you know, uh, she took care of everything so he could be out on the road and do what he did. And Marianne, who was a single mom with a young girl, she's like, you know, um, I made a decision that I was never going to be away from my daughter for more than two nights. Um, and Marianne told me this really early on. And I think she really shaped for me this, you know what, that is my priority. Um, I am a mother um, and that's what I'm choosing to do right now. I have the privilege to make that choice. Um, and so then my career got shaped around that. So I always credit Marianne Williamson for kind of mentoring me um, and really being true to that intention. And now she's running for president. 
I know she is. I did an event with her um, a few weeks ago. Um, and it was, you know, I, I've always, Marianne is one of the most um, passionate and articulate um, and strong people I know. Um, and so when I think we met a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, um, you know, her next milestone was getting 65,000 signatures so that she could get on the debate stage. And she was like at like 10,000 or something, and it seemed impossible. Um, but she did it. She did it last week. So she's kind of moving one step forward at a time. Wow. That is a spiritual journey. <laughs> what a wild ride. Thank you so much. Thank you for this conversation and all of your wisdom. If you had all the ears of the women in the world, what would you say to these women? I would say, be quiet and ask yourself, how can I serve? But begin with, how can I serve myself? And then start thinking about how can I serve those I love who are around me. Beautiful. Malika, thank you so much. It's so good to see you and to connect. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please leave comments below on how you feel and think and how you serve. We would love to hear. As always with podcasts, we need high ratings, subscribers, and comments to receive good standing and to continue sharing these wise words with women around the globe. So please comment, subscribe, share, rate us. We love hearing from you. Big love and looking forward to chatting next week. Thanks so much. Thank you.